Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. I said this before we started recording, and I mean this. My guest, if you're watching this on YouTube, my guest looks far, far better than I do today. I decided to put a pullover on today because it's about 40 degrees here, but she is, she just looks amazing. She just, you know, tanned, well-rested, and ready for this conversation this morning. She is the host of the podcast, and I love this title, An Unexpected Launch. She's the host of the Unexpected and Unexpected Launch podcast. She is a leader in the pharmaceutical industry, and you can find her on LinkedIn at Kirsten Dunstan, K-I-R-S-T-E-N, Duncan, D-U-N-C-A-N, but you can find her right here, right now on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Kirsten, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to our chan our chance to talk today. If I get distracted, again, those of you that they're watching on YouTube, if I get distracted, Kirsten is wearing a blouse that has like sparkly things on it. And so I get distracted by shiny things. And so, yeah, you know, but, but she's got a beautiful backdrop. She's got this beautiful painting on the wall and the nice white fireplace in the corner and the soft light. It, I almost feel like if, if you're talking and I go to sleep at some point, don't, don't, you know, please take no offense. It's only because you have such the calming effect in your background. Thank you. Thank you. You're like, oh my gosh, this is going horribly off the rails. No, I promise you we're going somewhere. <laughs> Let me start here. I always try to ask folks as we record these, we're still in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's hard to believe it's been a year, a little over a year since everything changed. And, and I want to get the perspective because I am in West Virginia. You're in the Seattle area. And we've seen bits and pieces of things on the news in the Northwest and things like that. And so I really want to get your perspective, Kirsten, on how you and your family have got kind of navigated through this, um, some lessons you've learned, things like that. Let's start there. What has been different in your world around the COVID-19 pandemic? I think what's most different is the ability to see my family, spend time with my family, see my friends, gather in large groups, hug people without worrying. Um, I think those are the things that I have found most impactful. I think there are so many other things that I've learned to work around. I, I tend to look at the bright side and what we have and I've had the opportunity to spend more time with one of my sons as he's as he's moved back home with college being online. I've had the opportunity to slow down in my job. I traveled previous to COVID pretty much every week. And it's been an opportunity for me to to take a step back, certainly not from my job, but from being 
home more, being around my family, my my immediate family. So I think there, though it's certainly been life impacting and completely changed how we do everything. I've tried to take the opportunity to look at at what I can I can make of this time because it won't last forever. I'm just jotting that down, making the most of the time, redeeming the time. And and Kirsten, I'll I'll say this. I traveled quite a bit too in my job. I'm stunned at this moment that my wife of almost 25 years hasn't killed me yet for being <laughs> home so much. It's a lot of together time. <laughs> it's a lot of together time. Yeah. Before we started recording, I was inside chatting with my son, who is also doing most of his college work online, even though campus is 15 minutes away, he he's doing most of it at home. And so for us, and, and I don't know how you guys did it, we had to be intentional about creating separate spaces because I needed a place to work. He needed a place to, 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 to do school. My wife works, but her job was essential. So she kept getting to go to work. So we weren't concerned about her, but we needed to have those separate spaces to where he could do what he needed to do. And I could do what I needed to do. Was that a challenge for you? Because that's what I'm hearing a lot about. Oh my God. And especially for road warriors like ourselves, right? Where we're just, you know, the, 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 the front seat of the car is our office or a hotel rooms, our office or a Starbucks or a Panera is an office <laughs> setting. When you travel, you really don't have an office per se until you come home on Friday or something like that. And you can sit in front of your computer. What kind of adjustment was that from you for you being a traveling mom and, and a traveling, you know, in, in, in traveling for work and then all of a sudden having to come back in and go, okay, I need to work from home now. I, I get so much energy from traveling to talk with the individuals who, who I work with, whether they are healthcare providers, um, if they're support um, in that sort of the supportive arena within the healthcare system. And I, I just drew so much energy from that face-to-face -face and that personal interaction. And working from home, it was trying to find different ways to create that same energy in a different way. And a lot of the calls that I'm, or the meetings that I used to have face-to-face -face are now over Zoom. Sometimes I'm able to see the physician that I'm speaking with, sometimes I'm not. So it's finding different ways to, to infuse our conversations with energy, infusing energy within our teams, you know, all of everything that we're doing now is remote. And I, prior to joining the company that I'm at now, I worked remotely for the bulk of my career. So for me, it wasn't, I think, as drastic of an adjustment as it is for some people. And, you know, my son doing college online, that is an adjustment to for, certainly for him, and then to make sure that we each have our own quiet space so that I'm not barging into his room with a question when he's on online with class. So it definitely is a given a take and making sure that you're just aware of, of who's around you, what they need to do, what they need to accomplish. And um, again, it was, I, I kept thinking, 
this won't last forever. So how do we how do we take these meetings virtually? How do we make those the best meetings possible? Or if we're working with colleagues, some of whom I've never met face to face, how do we forge those those strong relationships when we're not able to meet with each other face to face and I think, uh, you know, when you travel, as you mentioned, there's that downtime. So it might be grabbing a coffee with a colleague at, at Starbucks and having a little bit of personal back and forth. And now that we're on, in some cases, back-to-back -back meetings, you, you lose that opportunity to have those sidebar personal conversations, which really ultimately enhance how you work together. Well, so you know, let me jump in here. The, yeah. you, you almost get to the point with a Zoom meeting. And I have found myself, and and that's how we record the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'll be honest; there are times in doing, and I did six podcasts in one day. People are like, "Oh my it's gosh, it's a lot!" Yeah, I almost found myself. That, so there's a twofold principle that I that I want to piggyback on. You almost find yourself using the quote, and I say it in air quotes, faking it until you make it. And, and trying to, in that moment, go, okay, I've got to be on. You know, they don't know that I've been on this or that. You know, they don't know what I've had to do this morning and things like that. And so I I'm, I'm agree with you 100%. I'm right there with you. Every interaction has got to be as full of energy as it can be out of respect to that other person. Yeah. But by the same token, you don't want to force yourself to that point where you just go, I'm going to amp myself up to where it's almost kind of a false connection. Yeah. Because again, the virtual part of what we're doing, the, the, the basic principles, and I loved your point, Kirsten, the basic principles are still the same. Eye contact is still eye contact, whether we're virtual or in person. And so you'll see me shift my eyes because as where I'm sitting, Kirsten is on the left side of my screen. And I want to make sure when I'm talking to her that I'm, I'm making, keeping eye contact, saying her name in the conversation. And so I love what you said about keeping the energy. What are some tips and some things that you have done through the pandemic that has allowed you when you've had these virtual meetings to keep that energy high? I think it's making sure that you're taking time for yourself. As you mentioned, you can't you can't amp yourself up to the point that you're inauthentic. And I think that we can find when we're working from home that those lines between work time and personal time become very blurred. And so it's making sure that you set boundaries for yourself. So maybe blocking off some time in the morning to make sure that you're working out or having your cup of coffee, um, finding time to get outside and take those breaks to rejuvenate yourself because it can become exhausting to go from one call to the next. And so it's taking a step back, allowing yourself some free time so that you go into that next meeting with some some fresh space and some opportunity to be thinking about okay i've left that one meeting behind and now i'm moving into another one of the things that we've talked a lot about in our company is end a meeting five minutes before time or five minutes before either the hour or the half hour so that you have time to transition so that you have time to decompress before you move into your next conversation um and, and i think really the the key to be to maintaining that energy is taking care of yourself first because you can't bring your best self to your job if you haven't taken care of yourself first. 
I love that. That is so good. And you know what we do here in West Virginia to decompress and have that personal time is we go outside and cut the grass, but we cut the grass around the car in the yard that's up on cinder block. So we haven't driven in like 10 years. We go outside and cut the grass. And then I, I was talking to somebody the other day. It's like, well, it's so hard to, to to steer a car that's not moving. And I said, but yeah, here in West Virginia, we actually have to cut the grass around the car, then take the car off the cinder blocks, then put tires on it. And then, you know, put some gas in and then we can drive it. So, you know, that's what we do here to, to do that. I love what you said about taking care of yourself first, because let's go here for just a second. You mentioned your family, you mentioned your college age son, you mentioned your coworkers and, and other people. There are so many demands on time in the podcast and things like that. And trust me, doing a podcast, I understand you want to have guests on and it's like juggling schedules and I've got this meeting and I've got that meeting and things like that. How have you intentionally carved that time out to take care of yourself? Yeah, it's, it's not easy. Um, and it, to your point, it has to be very intentional because if you leave it to, well, I'll just work out when I have a few free moments, or if I'm going to take a walk when, when work slows down, it won't happen. And so it might be scheduling some time in your calendar or blocking off some time where you can get outside, take a walk. And you know, it, it doesn't have to be something, in, uh, you know, you don't have to go work out or be overly exerting yourself. It can simply be getting outside. It can be having a cup of coffee on a back deck. And I think that you have to build that time into your schedule because it doesn't just magically happen. And I think for many of us who our jobs are busy and if you don't carve the time out, it, it just, it's not going to present itself. And it might be waking up early so that you have some quiet time in the morning. It might be knowing that I'm turning my computer off at whatever time that may be. I'm going to close the lid I'm going to go read a book. I'm going to watch the evening news. Whatever it is that brings you joy, that is what you need to carve time out for. And it's going to be different for everybody. I'm writing this down, turning off things to turn on your mind or your emotions and things like that. Because I, 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 I and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, Kirsten, but I, that's what I gathered from what you just said there is shutting that laptop down and, and really focusing in on yourself. And look, here's the thing for us. If you have a back deck, that's a fancy house here in West Virginia. That, that's like, <laughs> that's like super fancy, right? I mean, if you, if you have something more than a concrete pad to, to lounge on, with with some lawn chairs you bought at the Walmarts, then you're good. So, you know, yeah. Let's step aside, take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Kirsten's podcast, an unexpected launch. I love this. And so we're going to step aside, take a quick break. Back in a moment with more with Kirsten Dunstan here. Kirsten Duncan. If I could speak and go to a break correctly, we'd be good. Back in a moment with Kirsten Duncan on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey, everybody. Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines 
in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. See, Kirsten, that's what happens. When you when you take somewhat of average intelligence and you try to get them to perform a technical task like 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 taking a, a quick break, that's what happens. So I you know, I know when I come on an unexpected launch, you're gonna be much more polished and perfect. You would think after 120 of these or so that we've recorded, it'd be like, all right, moron, get this right, you know? So you know, just do this, do something simple, but let's talk about your podcast an unexpected launch. I love the title of that. And you and I were talking before about the backstory of that, and I kind of know the inside ends to that, but I want to know what were the inspiration was for you to launch your podcast. Thanks, Brian. I I'm super happy to, to share that. So I about most five people are not, most people are not <laughs> super happy to share with me. Like, are you kidding me right now? I'm kidding. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I think I'm so excited to share about it because really it's showcasing the story of people that I speak with, but taking a step back about five years ago, I went through a pretty traumatic period in my life. I had been married for 24 years and and my husband came out as gay, which meant that uh, we got divorced and my family looked very different than what I had hoped. And just a couple of months later, my our 16-year-old son was nearly killed in a drunk driving accident and suffered a traumatic brain injury. And so that set me on a course of certainly an unexpected circumstance that I, at the time, didn't really know how to navigate. And in the beginning, it was simply survival. It was putting one foot in front of the other. It was making sure that our three boys who were 14, 16, and 18 at the time, that they were cared for, that they knew that they were loved, that they knew that they were going to be okay. And it wasn't until a couple of years later that I really had the time to start processing what had happened. And I started seeking stories of people like myself. And I had a hard time finding stories that I resonated with. And, and it's not to say that they're not out there or that there are not fantastic resources out there because there are. I just didn't find somebody who resonated with me. And one of my favorite podcasts is How I Built This. And I was driving into work driving across the bridge into Seattle. It was a sunny day. And I was listening to a podcast of a woman, uh, the woman who started Glossier. And she started a blog that was simply detailing what women have in their bathroom cabinets. And this light bulb went off in my mind. And I thought, I could create the resource that I haven't been able to find. And that resource is 
sharing stories of people who've been through something so unexpected that either brought them to their knees, it was traumatic, it was loss, it was grief, but they made it through. And not only did they make it through, but they thrived on the other end because what what got me through eventually was reading stories or articles or listening to podcasts about people who had been through something and it didn't matter what it was it was simply the fact that they had been through something and made something of that they found purpose in that they took what happened and leverage that to make themselves a better person or to make the world a better place around them. And so I started the podcast. I'm now in my third season and I'm sharing stories of incredible individuals who've been through something that was unexpected, but it launched them into something that was unexpected and beautiful. So that's the backstory on the Unexpected Launch podcast. Well, I hope after today, your new favorite podcast, besides your own, is the Intentional Encourager. Of course. <laughs> well, because here's the thing. I have said, and I have a good friend of mine that asked me, he said, why do you do the podcast? And I said, there's two reasons. Number one, to piggyback off of what you said, I have been incredibly blessed by people like yourself and so many that have gone through just these incredible circumstances in life. And every time that they, they tell me a story that they, of things they've gone through and I'm, I'm jotting it down. I'm like, Whoa, like that's really, and most of the time I've found Kirsten, and I don't know if you found this out and probably you have focusing on telling the story is that people will go, well, I don't know why I ever told that. Cause I've never told that before. Like I've had a ton of those moments. Yeah. And so, you know, people, people feel like there's a time and place to really tell what's happened to them. And I wanted the, the intentional encourager podcast to be a place for those that are on LinkedIn that, that you could really know the depth behind a person. Like you see what you see on a profile, you see what you see in a picture. But what you see on the surface is there's more depth to what's on the surface. And I've always wanted to, to position this podcast to be the one, like, if you want to tell your story in depth, I get tons of time. And, and people will stay with a great conversation. Yeah. Give me, give me an aha moment from your podcast that created an unexpected benefit? Because we talked about your podcast is an unexpected launch. What was an unexpected benefit to you of your podcast? You know, I think that when we go through something traumatic or we're grieving, we feel really isolated and alone. And we feel that nobody's been through what we have been through that nobody's going to understand and that perpetuates our loneliness and our isolation and i've talked with individuals who were in my situation with a gay spouse i've talked with individuals who've had a child with cancer i've talked with individuals who've unexpectedly lost a spouse who've been um, sexually abused by a family member people who are are living with an incurable cancer diagnosis. I mean, it, these are very diverse experiences 
However, in all of the conversations that I've had, there is such a similarity in the journey, in the feeling of the isolation, of feeling that I'm so alone and nobody will understand what I'm going through. And what really came th through in many of the conversations that I had is, is individuals had the sense of, I'm going to make what happened to me mean something. I'm going to find the purpose in it. I am going to leverage what happened because, you know, everybody's going to suffer at some point in life and some people suffer and it really, it inhibits them. It, it stops their growth. It sort of stops them in their tracks. And then there are others who go on to do incredible things and companies and organizations and nonprofits have, and books and podcasts have been built out of these, these, these moments. And it's the, this, the, the similarity that I found in these stories was I wanted to find the purpose and that purpose drove growth and transformation. And, you know, one of the reasons that it's so important for me to continue to do this podcast is when something happens to you, you do, you feel so alone. And I wanted people to know you are not alone. You are not the only one. And people will hear themselves in portions of my guests' stories. And there's little moments that will resonate and they'll think, oh gosh, I felt that way too. Yeah. You know, I, I felt like, um, you know, for a long time, I kept thinking, why am I not fine? It's been three years. It's been four years. Why am I not feeling fine? I should be healed. I should be there. And, you know, and I think it gives people permission to allow the emotions that they're having to be validated. And I think that's so important because we feel this pressure to move on, to, to, to move past something. And I don't think you ever move on. I, I, I think you move through things, but I think they become a part of you and shape who you are. But I yeah. think by sharing these stories and listening to others, you can see yourself in somebody's story and think, I'm not alone. Well, and again, there's a couple of things I want to hit on before we take another break is that Number one, you said the word leverage, and that's a key That's a key phrasing there. And I know you did that intentionally because when you leverage something, it's an asset. It's not a liability. And a lot of people think when they've gone through those situations, those were vulnerable times that put them in a, in a liability deficit. And they don't realize that those situations were actually designed so that they – and I've had those situations in my own life. And I realize now they weren't liability situation. They were leveraging opportunities. So I love what you said there. That's that's one takeaway. The second one is our alignment between our podcast is right there because I've always said that there's somebody listening to a story that goes, I'm there or I've been there or yeah. they don't realize that they're about to go there. Yeah. And that can help and encourage them and say, hey, listen. The, the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. So every somebody has gone through something once before. We're not, it's not unique to any of us. So I love what you said there about that connecting tie. Yeah. 
that really brings us all together. I want to get deeper into your story, Kirsten. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, Kirsten is going to share more of that story. I've got a couple of questions around what she said. So we're going to dive into those here in just a moment. Come back with us here on the Intentional Encourage Podcast. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector. You've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up. Kindle, if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, People Buy From People. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of People buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Kirsten, let's go into that story real quick. I, I want to, I have not faced what you faced. I still am married to the same girl I've been married to for the last almost 25 years. You were 24 years. Take me through the, did you, did you, did you have an inkling that something was up or did it totally catch you out of the blue? And I want to know part two to that is this. What was the one emotion that you, you had a hard time beating back within you? That, that was coming to the surface when this revelation comes out and this emotion was coming to the surface and you had to beat it back. I did have suspicions throughout our marriage and I so badly did not want that to be true that I ignored my intuition. I stuffed it really far down and we had a couple of conversations where I actually asked my ex-husband, point blank, are you gay? And he said, no. And again, because I loved our family. I loved my husband. I loved our relationship. I just, I loved the life that we had. I knew it was not perfect, but I also know that there is no relationship that's perfect. And so I think, so when he did reveal to me and he admitted that he is gay, I was shocked in that I, I, I really believed him when he said that I love you and we're going to be together forever. I, I kept clinging to that. Um, but also the, the first thing, there's a lot of things that I don't remember about that particular conversation. What I do remember is the first 
thing that I thought in my mind was I knew it. And I might've even yelled it out too. Um, but I, I just, I didn't want it to be true. So I ignored it. And I, I actually made a sort of pact with myself that maybe my husband is gay, but that is okay. I'm willing to live with that because there are so many other things that are so wonderful that I am willing to put that aside and live with that. Um, I think the overwhelming sense or the, the, I don't know if it's appropriate to call it an emotion, but the, the lack of control that I felt in my life at that moment. And it's something that that took me years to, you know, I felt like I just was sort of on in an ice rink. And every time I tried to stand up, I, I just couldn't gain my footing. And I will tell you that I, prior to the, about five, prior to him coming out, I, I, people might call me a control freak. You know, I, I had my life planned out. I knew how things were going to go. They were going to go in this order. You know, I grew up that way. Yeah. I, you know, you go to college and then you go to graduate school and then you get married and you have children. And, you know, my life was really linear. And what I realized in that moment was I have zero control. Was, and, I got to ask you this. Can I jump in here for just yeah. a quick second? I got to ask you this. Did you sense that your husband, your ex-husband now, when he said, yes, I, I'm gay, did you sense that he wanted to be free to pursue another relationship with a man? Or was he telling you that? And, and I, please, if I'm getting too personal, let me know. Did you feel like that he wanted to be free to pursue a relationship with, a, with another man? Or was he saying that? So that you would understand that, hey, you know, I, I, I love you, but I'm not romantically that way. I'm not, I, I don't desire you that way sexually any, anymore, things like that. And I don't mean to be graphic. Please don't misunderstand me. I, I'm just, I want to get some, I want to pull some more conversation out of that because, again, 24 years of marriage, you suspect it. You're hoping you, you just said, I was hoping it wasn't true. What did you sense in that moment when he came, when he came out to you and said, I'm gay, was it, was it his yearning to be free to pursue another relationship or, or how was it, how was he trying to bring it out to you to explain what was going on? So first I can say I'm an open book and you can ask me anything. One of the things I say about my podcast is we talk about things that people often don't talk about because they're uncomfortable, because they're associated with stigma. So I'm, I'm an open book. I think it was, it, it was a little bit of both. So he came out when our first son, right after our first son had gone to college at the age of when our son was 18. And what my husband said is, I want our boys to go into life feeling that they can be free and that they can be themselves. And so I think Matt came out because he wanted to be himself. He wanted to be true to who he is. I think part of that, yes, absolutely. So that he could pursue a relationship with somebody that he felt that connection to in a way that he didn't feel or couldn't feel with me. And in addition to that, it's setting me free to allow me to pursue a relationship with somebody who would feel a, about me 
as I wanted to be felt. And so, you know, it was interesting because some of my, my friends thought, well, why did he come out now? And this was poor timing. And there is no right time to come out. There are, there are individuals who can come out when they're five, when they're 25, 50, 75. And unfortunately, some don't ever feel safe enough to come out. And so I applaud my husband, my husband, my ex-husband for coming out, though I was personally so devastated. I was very proud of him, very happy for him that he could go through life feeling comfortable with who he is, that he could own it, he could say it. And so for that, you know, it was, it's so complicated and it's so complex. And, and I will say that one of the feelings that I didn't have until much later was anger because again, I loved him and I wanted him to be happy. And I had to realize it wasn't going to be with me. <laughs> yeah. I got to ask you real quick in, in the time that we have, tell me about your son's brain injury. Tell me, take me, kind of walk me through that situation because you're dealing with the loss of your marriage and now your son is in a car accident. Well, take me through that. So I happened to be on a business trip in New York City, uh, got a call at, uh, gosh, 4.30 in the morning, and it's the call that no parent wants to get. Are you the parent of Aiden Duncan? And actually, at the time that he came in, he was a John Doe. Uh, he ha was in a drunk driving accident. He was a passenger in the front seat. He, um, their car hit a wall uh, at pretty high speeds, about 40 miles an hour. He wasn't wearing a seatbelt and he went uh, into the windshield. So when I boarded that plane from New York City to Seattle, I did not know when I landed if he would be living. I spoke with the neurologist before I boarded and they, they couldn't. So he was on the East coast and you were on the West coast. Flipped. I was traveling on the East coast. And oh he was, my. He was okay. Home. Yeah. Okay. So wow. he was at home. And, um, I, I arrived in Seattle. Friend picked me up, drove me to the hospital where he was at, uh, the trauma center here in Seattle. He was intubated. He was unconscious and, they didn't know his prognosis, you know, with a brain injury, they really can't tell you anything. It's so hard to know. It's not like a bone that is broken, um, or a heart attack. There's so much that's unknown with a brain injury. And I have to tell you, it was, um, you know, Matt and I were just in a really interesting place that we had, you know, we were going through this, this process of separating. And now we're, we're, we're trying to navigate that while we're, we're managing not only our son who has an unknown prognosis, but we also have an 18 year old who's off at college, uh, half a country away and a freshman in high school. So we're trying to keep basically keep it together. <laughs> so did you, let me ask you this. Did you, so your son was your son over your other son in college overseas. Is that where he was at? In, in college. He was at Purdue. He was in Indiana. So oh, okay. So you're a, so let me let me kind of bring the 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 geo, the, the geography together. You're traveling on the east. You're you're traveling on the east coast. You have a son at Purdue, which is in West Lafayette, Indiana, between Chicago and Indianapolis on I-65. 
your other your son who's in an accident is on the west coast your husband your husband you're going through the separation and your husband's on the west coast how are you trying to was there any thought of okay i've got to tell my son who's at purdue I've got to try to coordinate with him because I know he'll want to come home to see, because again, you didn't know what was going on with your son. Right. It could have been a life and death situation, which I'm sure that some of that information was probably what you were getting. And please, I don't want to assume, but I'm trying to put myself in the moment. How did you keep everything in line to where you can say, because you, we were talking a few moments ago and you said in the moment that your husband came out to you, you felt like you you were having a lack of control and then you're faced with a true lack of control moment. <laughs> How did you keep everything together internally? I think it was survival. I, I mean, it just was putting one foot in front of the other. Um, it's sort of like everything slowed down and, um, I remember a couple of months after the accident, we were, I was talking with friends and they said, you were the person who was comforting everybody else in the ICU. And I think there was just something that, that came over me that it, it was almost a calm. It, it, not that I was detached, but it just, I, I, I wasn't crying in the ICU. I was, I was going on rounds with, with the healthcare team. Um, you know, it just, I think I just sort of snapped into action and just was, as was, as was um, now my ex-husband, I think we both just sort of kind of gelled out. Um, and, you know, my, my older son did eventually, he came home and my younger son, I was very lucky in that my parents uh, were able to drive up and, and stay with us so that somebody could stay with our younger son so that he was cared for while we were caring for our middle son in, in the hospital. Uh, it was, you know, I think it was so much, you know, it's like your brain can only take so much and just sort of everything just kind of slowed and just the every kind of curve just kind of flattened out. Well, and again, you, you, you just, you, you said, and, and I love that mentality of I'm going to be present. I'm going to be in the moment. I, I'm going to make sure. I, I mean, that's a mom mentality, right? You're following nurses around, making sure everything's good. And, you know, again, and, and let's, and I'll say this, if you don't mind me sharing, you're, you're, you're a PharmD. So you're a doctor of pharmacy. You have a PharmD yeah. and you have a doctorate in pharmacy. So, you know, obviously you, you are, are pretty well versed in what you're being talked to and you're being discussed about with your son's injury. You're probably um, outside of being a medical doctor yourself, you're or or a nurse or somebody that's hands on in that. You're as well versed as anybody. You're probably more well versed than anybody. And you're hearing. Was there a moment where you heard something about your son's diagnosis that you went? And forgive me for saying this, Kirsten, but it was an oh crap moment. Like they're talking about this. I know exactly what they're talking about. And it's not good. Yeah. So the right before I got on the plane, the the doctor said he thought it was a diffuse axonal injury, um, which later turned out to be that's what he has. And so I 
while I was on the plane, I looked up what diffuse axonal injury is or DAI. It's associated with a 90% fatality rate. And of those who survive, most remain in a vegetative state. So I, um, I, I spent the rest of the plane flight trying to sort of absorb that news. That was the, oh crap, like, oh, oh God. How did you keep you your mind occupied? I, I mean, I don't mean to interrupt you, but but you you're on this plane flight. You're <laughs> looking this up, yeah, and, and you know immediately there is a a ten percent survival rate, yeah, for this. You're on a four plus hour flight. How do you keep your mind occupied? Uh, I it literally, I, 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 it was an out of body experience. I remember at one point going up into the cockpit, I think to get a glass of, not cockpit, I'm sorry, but um, the front gallery. That's how you kept your mind going. That's how you kept your mind busy. You flew the plane, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, I got this. <laughs> Anything's possible, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but I was talking with the, the, um, folks up front to get a glass of water and I, I, I don't even, I, I sort of don't remember a, a lot of that. Um, but you know, I, I learned to take it one moment at a time. And I think because I was sort of already in that mentality with my husband coming out, I was already literally, there were some days where it was literally, I'm going to be okay for the next minute. And now it's going to be maybe the next five minutes. And so I, I had sort of that practice, if you will, of really just not looking, not future tripping, as they say, and not looking too far in the future, because to look too far in the future was absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Um, and I remember at some point being at a job interview and they said, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, I absolutely can't ask you that question or answer you that question because I literally live my, 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 my life day to day. I don't know what's happening tomorrow. Tomorrow's not promised. What I see in five years is that I'm doing things that bring me joy, that bring me connection, that, um, you know, make me happy and adventuresome. I said, beyond that, I can't tell you where I'm going to be in five years. Well, you survived it. You had been through a couple of really gut punch moments because again, and, and I don't think people understand unless you've been in those moments where you have something sudden that's thrust upon you. For me, it was losing my dad suddenly. Those those moments where it takes your breath away because now it's reality, right? It's a new reality. So how's your son doing now? How how has he recovered? How many years ago was that and, and how has he recovered? It was five years ago and even at the t- time, his doctors said he was absolutely a miracle. They had never seen anything like it. He wasn't supposed to go to school for the remainder. He was a junior in high school. So this happened in December and they said he probably won't go to school until next September. Well, literally we got out of the doors of the hospital. I'm turning the the engine of my car on and Aiden says to me, by the way, I'm going to school tomorrow. Like, no, you're not going to school tomorrow. Well, he said, if you don't take me to, if you don't take me, I'm going to run to school, which I knew he would. So we went and had a little visit at lunch. I can tell you that he is 
thriving today. So he works um, down in, in Los Angeles in the music production industry. He went to a music production academy for a year and he is doing what he loves. He is incredibly successful for a, for a time before he got too successful. He was the producer on my podcast and he wrote the music for my podcast, but he's since gone on. He's, he's doing much more important things than mom's podcast. Um, and I have to you say, have a conversation he, with him about that. There's nothing more important than mom's podcast. Listen, you know, I gave you life, son. I carried you for nine months. Nothing more important exactly. than mom's pod. Yeah. Nothing more important than mom's podcast. Yeah. What's this kid thinking? I mean, good. good. Well, I know what 21 year olds think. Cause I, I have one that will be 21 in September. So I, yeah, I feel yep. you and I are, you and I are together in that journey, <laughs> but I, that is a wonderful piece of intentional encouragement, but I yeah. know you've got another piece of intentional encouragement to share with this audience. you, Kirsten, if, if this conversation has done anything, it's encouraged people that situations can change. But I know you've got another piece. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but share a piece of intentional, your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Never lose hope. Even when it feels that you don't think there's any way forward, any way upward, don't ever lose hope that something incredible is going to happen and keep your eyes open for those little pieces of magic, those wonderful things that happen in life that many of us don't pay attention to. And life is filled with ups and downs. Downs will always come. And so you really have to ride high when you're on the ups because you you have to take those those moments of beauty and enjoy those and savor those for when the low moments come. That is so good. Kirsten Duncan, it has been a joy to have you on the Intentional Courage podcast. But tell people where they can connect with you. I know that people are going to want to connect with you when they see and hear this podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. So the Unexpected Launch podcast is available on all major platforms. And like you, Brian, I have also extended into an Unexpected Launch YouTube channel so that people can see the videos and they can see the interaction. I'm on Facebook and um, Instagram under Unexpected Launch. And what I want people most to take away is that there are incredible stories that people have been sharing of hope and of beauty. And so take a listen and, and find a topic that, that, uh, that resonates. Yeah, definitely take a listen to that podcast. Again, it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, again, we need more podcasts like an unexpected launch, because again, people need that intentional encouragement. It's, you know, you're doing such a wonderful job of giving that intentional encouragement. And I am honored. I'm beyond honored that you shared your story with me on the intentional encourager podcast. Kirsten, what a blessing it's been. What a blast it's been. Thank you for um, stirring our emotions, getting us laughing. Um, you, you've brought the goods today. Thank you for so much for being with me on the intentional encourager podcast. Thank you, Brian. It was an absolute pleasure. I'm so appreciative and loved our conversation. 
My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, and anytime, any place can be an intentional encourager.